Well, uh, welcome everybody uh, to the jar, and uh, we're so glad that you're here today. And uh, we are beginning a brand new series today uh, called My, uh, you know, do you remember what it was? Yeah, My Big Fat Mouth, exactly. And uh, that's the series that we're going to look at today, and uh, we'll be talking about many, (coughs) excuse me, I've been under... You know, I'm a little bit ticked off by all of you guys back there that are like the sound people. I try to tell you that I haven't been feeling very well. And, you know, I said, make sure that the glass was all the way full. And every single time it's like half empty, half empty, half empty. Do I have to do everything in this place? Okay, I'm just joking. All right. Um, Some of you are like, I'm here for the first time. This guy's a jerk. No, 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 no. Uh, Hey, we love our sound people. We love all of our video people. We love all of those folks uh, for sure. Um, But I wanted to open up a little bit uh, by kind of doing something that would take you off guard because that's what our big fat mouths do all the time. We say something sometimes that hurts other people or we say things that create some kind of damage to another person. And we do that because that little opening uh, just above your chin gets us in trouble all the time, and that is our big, fat mouths. And throughout the next uh, four weeks, what I want to do is talk about uh, four different things that come out of our mouths that can be very damaging. We're going to talk about complaining, criticizing, lying, and gossiping. And today, what I want to talk about is complaining and how we can be very tempted to complain about different things. A few years ago, uh, my family went on a vacation to Disney World. And uh, I think we have a picture there. And you can see we're all smiling because Disney is the happiest place where? On earth, right? But what you don't see are all of the complaints that took place on this particular day from two of our children that I will not mention their name, (coughs) Jordan and Shiloh. Um, but, But during... That day, they complained about everything. Let me just give you a few that I wrote down because I remember. This line is too long. I don't like the food. I'm so tired. Why can't we go to a character dinner? Why can't we have fast passes? And my favorite is, you know that swirl cone, Dad? They don't have it here. They said they ran out. Chocolate and vanilla together. This place stinks. And... My wife, Jennifer, and I, we listened to all this, and we're like, are you serious? We had never gone to Disney at their age. We didn't go until we were teenagers in our early 20s. And my wife, the compassionate woman she is, she looked at the two of them, and she said, you two little... And I won't say the word that she said because it's not appropriate in church, but um, she was not happy with their complaining. And I didn't blame her whatsoever because I wasn't either. And all we heard was like complain, 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 complain. And here we are at the happiest place on earth. But what it became was the most complaining place on earth. So today, 
I want to talk about this issue of complaining, the problem of complaining. And I'd like to begin this morning with this question for everyone who's here in the auditorium and all of you that are on the stream right now. And here's the question. What is it that you complain about the most? Okay? Right where you're at, be as honest as you can. What is it that you complain about the most? Now, for me, I was thinking about it. I think the thing that I complain about the most is that I have to work on weekends. I mean, all of you get your weekends off, and on Saturdays I'm working, Sundays I'm here, I'm working, and I'm working, and I'm working, and complain, 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 wah, 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 poor me, right? So, what is it that you complain about the most? Maybe for some of you, you complain that I'm not married. I just wish I was married. And then for others of you, you actually do get married. And then you just complain about your spouse all the time. You just complain and complain and complain. Maybe others of you, you complain about your kids. Your kids do certain things and you just complain about them. Maybe for others of you, you complain about your boss. And you have a tendency to complain about them. Maybe for others of you, you complain about your finances or you complain that your house is too small or you don't have granite countertops like other people do. You just have a tendency to complain. Now, maybe you complain about smaller things, things like the weather. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too windy, whatever it is. Maybe you complain about the Wi-Fi being too slow. Maybe you complain about the driver that is in front of you. And you just have a tendency to complain about it. Now, I just want to clarify something to you this morning, and it's this. The problem isn't the weather. The problem isn't the Wi-Fi. The problem isn't the traffic. The problem is, is that when we complain, what happens is we take our eyes off of God and we put our eyes directly on the number one fan that we have, me, myself, and I. We focus everything on ourselves, and that's when we have a tendency to complain. And it can lead to a curse of complaining if we are not careful. Now, for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is to look at a text in the Bible about a guy by the name of Paul, and it's going to blow your mind what he did to overcome complaining. And we're going to look specifically at what I think are, are two kind of ways that we can think about this. Now, let's give a little bit of background before we talk about how we can overcome complaining. Um, if there was anybody in this world who had a, a reason to complain, it was Paul. He was shipwrecked, he was bit by a snake, he was beaten multiple different, different times, he was stoned uh, to the uh, end of his life, and he was left for dead. And all of this happened, and if anyone could complain, it could be him. And then at the end of his life, the only thing he wanted to do was to go to Rome and to share the good news of Jesus to the people that were in Rome. But instead, he actually was arrested, sent to a Roman prison, waiting to be executed. His whole life, all he wanted to do was to be a preacher, but he actually ended his life being a prisoner. And for two years, 24 hours a day, he is chained to a Roman soldier waiting for 
his execution. Now, if I were Paul, folks, I'm telling you, I would be the biggest complainer in the world, and my number one target would have been God. God, this isn't fair. God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? God, I've given my entire life for you. I've been faithful. I've served you in multiple different ways. Why is it that you are allowing this to happen to me? And by the way, God, just so you know, uh, this jail that I'm in, the floor is hard, the food stinks, and the soldier has B.O. really bad. Like, I'm at the point where I'm almost ready to puke because of how bad he smells. And the reality is, though, instead of complaining, Paul does something different. While he's in jail, he says, I might as well be productive. Let me go ahead and write some letters to the churches that I started. And he doesn't complain, and he writes these words. Paul says this in Philippians. He says, do everything without, what's the next word? Wait, wait, you can do it better than that. Give your best complain voice, okay? Do everything without what? Complaining. Without arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation. Folks, the standard that Paul gives is very high. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, whatever you're thinking, do everything without complaining. Now, there are a lot of spiritual reasons why we shouldn't complain. We'll talk about those in a little bit. But there are some very practical reasons as well. There's a psychologist by the name of Dr. Travis Bradbury, and he wrote a really great book. I'd encourage you to uh, read it. And it's called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And what he did within this book is he spent a lot of time just focusing on research on this whole idea of complaining. And What he says is that if you repeatedly complain, you hardwire your brain to look at your world to where you complain. In other words, if you repeatedly complain, what happens with your behavior is, guess what? You complain more. You just complain more and more and more. Once you start it in your brain, you have a tendency to do it again and again and again. You complain more. In other words, um, the more negative you are, the more likely your brain is going to be triggered to continue to be negative. For example, I've heard this before. Uh, a woman will come to my office and she wants some counseling and we start talking and she finally gets to the point, Chris, men are jerks. Men are jerks. They're just pigs. And I'm sitting there at this point, like, do you know what I am? Uh, you know, like, do you know who I am? And, uh, and they'll say this. And then what happens is if you go through your life thinking that men are jerks, you have a preconceived idea in your mind that every time you see a man, you will not look at any good, you will only look at bad. We see it with guys also. Guys will say, you know what? My boss just hates me. And there's this preconceived notion that my boss hates me. So every time I go to work, everything that he says, everything that she says, everything that they do, it has a tendency within me to think, you know what? They hate me. I have this preconceived idea that they do not like me. 
Folks, I don't know about you, but I do not want to live my life going through it, being preconceived to always find the bad because the reality, folks, there's enough bad in the world already. I don't need to add to it. Rather, I want to train my mind in such a way that no matter who the person is that is in front of me, that I see the good, that I can be pleasant, that I can look at what is helpful and what is hopeful, and always being able to focus on what is positive and not what is negative. Now, back to Paul. I shared with you earlier, he kind of lived his life and he taught in such a way that he gave two ideas that are really important for you and I not getting sucked into complaining. This is your first fill-in. And uh, this is it for those of you on the stream. Go ahead, join with us on the app. And it's this. If you can change your circumstances, then do something about it. If you can change your circumstances, then you should do something about it. If you can change something, then do something about it. Folks, if there's something negative, if there's something not right, if there's something in which you look at and you say, this is not godly, this is an injustice, something should be done. It is not a sin to dislike this thing and to say, I've got to do something and something's got to happen and I'm going to jump in and make sure that it happens. What what takes place where sin comes in is not when you have that thought. Where sin comes in is when you start complaining, complaining, complaining about whatever the situation is, but you do absolutely nothing about it. You're just complaining. Like who likes that? Complain, complain, complain. Nobody wants to do that. You ever see it on social media? I mean, it happens all the time. I guess people don't have enough to complain in their own life, so they want everyone else to know throughout all internet world. And they'll just start typing about complaining about all kinds of stuff. Stop it. Stop it. If you can do something about it, get in the game and actually stop whatever it is. But don't complain. Do something about it. A second big idea that Paul kind of gives within our teaching, the way that he lived his life, is this. If you can't change your circumstances, then change your perspective. If you can't change your circumstances, do something about it. If you can't, then change your perspective. Change what you say about it. Change the way you think about it. Change what you do in those circumstances. Now remember, Paul is chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. He's waiting to be executed. And in the midst of all of the circumstances of his life being held in the balance, look at what he says in verse 17. I love this. He says this, but even if I'm poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and will rejoice with all of you So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, when we look at that first sentence, many times people are like, well, what's this all about? Like, what's he talking about? Even if I'm poured out like a drink offering, I will still be proud. You might wonder, like, what is that? Well, there's actually a Greek word that kind of expresses this entire phrase, And the word is called uh, spendu. And it's kind of like the concept of spend it all, spend everything that you have. The word is a little word 
but it's very powerful and people in Paul's day would have understood this concept very well. You see, this is what he was talking about. When a priest would bring the sacrificial offering, it would be a lamb or some other animal, and they would bring it, they would burn the offering. And when they would be burning this prized offering to God to, for the sins of the community or to honor him, they would then take a glass um, full of the most expensive liquid that they had, which typically was wine. Sometimes it might be honey too. Honey was very expensive. And then they would take their offering, their drink offering, and they would go to their sacrificial offering, this animal, and they would pour it on that animal. Now, you can imagine that when this took place, that when this actual kind of cup is poured, if you, if you pour liquid on anything that is very hot, what's going to happen? Right? Smoke. And what was a sign of that was an incense offering that would actually go up to God as well to honor him. And Paul said, even if my life is poured out like this, I will still rejoice. Now, what Paul is not talking about here, folks, is he's not talking about his ultimate death. But what he's talking about is his everyday life. That daily, he says, I'm going to offer my life to God as a sacrificial offering. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says this, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You see, folks, uh, worship is not just what we do here when we sing songs or we lift our hands, but every single day, that you walk through, you use your body, if you choose to follow God, Paul says, to honor him as a sacrificial offering. Even if you're chained in a Roman prison, Paul says you can give your life as an offering to God. Now, how could Paul, who is in prison actually find the time to praise God. Well, this is how he could do that even as a prisoner. He did not see his life at the center of it all. He saw Jesus Christ at the center of it all. His life was no longer his life. And so he saw the center of his life being Christ alone. That Christ was the center now, not himself. And because Jesus was the center of his story... He could take a difficult circumstance like being in prison and he said, what I'll do is I'll just change the perspective. In fact, this is what Paul said as he's being chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And you might read that and you're like, say what? Like, how can you be in prison, chained to somebody else, and think that you're actually going to advance the gospel? He realizes that he is not going to complain. 
He's not going to choose any complaining. He's simply going to change his perspective, even though it's circumstances that he would not have chose for himself. And how do we know this? How do we know that he wants to share the good news even in the midst of a circumstance that he is chained to with these Roman soldiers? Well, it goes on to say this. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying this. Eight hours a day, I have three different soldiers that are chained to me. And this is what I've decided. I will give three eight-hour sermons every day. Now, you guys are only going to get like 35 minutes. You want me to go on for eight hours like Paul, you know? Yeah, like he says, hey, even though this isn't the circumstance that I would have chosen... I am choosing to gear it in a way to share good news to the person that I'm chained to, this Roman soldier. Can you imagine being chained to the Apostle Paul for eight hours straight? He'd be like, man, God loves you. God has great things for you. Let me tell you a little bit about God. And then he would just like start telling everything. And he's like, I'm going to change the perspective even though I'm chained to something that I would not have chosen. I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to change my perspective because I know that God is going to do good even in the midst of this circumstance. Now, think about it. Here is Paul. He is chained to this Roman soldier. And this morning, this is the question that I have for every single one of you. So if you've fallen asleep, here's the question for you to really think about and ponder. For all of you on the stream as well, and it's this. What are you chained to? What is it in your life that you are chained to right now? Maybe it's your job. You're like, I don't really like my job right now. I'm chained to it. What is Maybe some of you are chained to a financial problem right now and you've dug yourself a hole and you're like, I don't know if there's any way we're going to get out of this. Maybe for others of you, you're chained to a toxic relationship and you wonder, should I get out? What would that look like? Maybe some of you are chained to a health situation of some kind. You don't know what the future holds. Well, whatever it is that you're chained to, this is what I want to say. If you can change the circumstance, then change it. Get counseling if you need counseling. Get help, get out of the relationship, whatever it is. And if you can't change the situation, then change your perspective. Change the way that you actually see it. Rather than complaining about it, ask God, God, can you help me to see this in a different way? There's a guy in our uh, church uh, by the name of Frank that I've become really good friends with. And uh, he's served our church in, in multiple different ways. Early on, he helped with set up and tear down when we were at the Y. And uh, most recently, uh, he's helped out with hospitality, serving the poor. Uh, he does everything. He's a very, very generous person uh, financially, is always willing to give. He just recently told me, hey, I put the church in my will because I want my life to go beyond uh, the actual time that I breathe here on earth. But this is what you need to know about Frank. 
The circumstances of his past seven years have been anything but comfortable. Let me just read a few of the things. In 2015, he had a hip replacement. In 2017, he had one of his lungs removed. In 2018, he had shoulder surgery. In 2018, he also had both elbows had surgery on them. Just to make sure that he had something in 2019, he actually had his other hip replaced. During COVID, he found out that he had prostate cancer and he had to go through 40 radiation treatments. And right now, he has a mass on his kidney and deals with colon and gastro issues daily, so much so that he rarely can eat. And when he does, he has a very difficult time breathing. And this is what blows my mind, folks. I've never heard Frank complain one time about his medical situations that he's been dealing with for seven years. And I was like, uh, you know, how can a person do that? And I was talking with Frank last week and he said, well, I know that God is using even this situation that I would not have chosen to actually be able to do some good. And who wants to listen to anyone that's complaining about it? And so he said, I'm just going to live my life because this is what I found that as I've lived my life for God, even in the midst of this difficult situation, he's building my faith. He's strengthening me in ways that I couldn't have imagined. He said, uh, during COVID, I didn't do anything outside of the house. I was either doing my radiation treatment or at the house. And I thought to myself, what could I do to actually encourage other people? And so he started looking up scriptures every single morning. And every morning for over two and a half years, he looks up a scripture at six in the morning, he types it out and he sends it on Facebook to people. And he has this following of people that are asking him daily, what is it you're going to send this morning? Because I want to know. And he's impacting lives. Now, last week I had a chance to sit down with Frank and I said, Frank, you've battled all of these health issues for seven years, major ones. Why haven't you complained? And this is what he said. He said, Chris, life is too short to complain. Plus, nobody likes complainers. Nobody does. I know I'm going through this for a reason that I do not understand right now, but I'm going to persevere And whatever comes of my life, my life is in God's hands. Folks, when you complain, when you gripe, when you whine, you might be justified in doing so. Some of you have gone through horrible stuff, tough stuff, much more difficult than maybe I'll ever go in my own life. But I'm telling you, this is what research shows and what scripture more importantly shows. And it's this, is that complaining never makes it better. It just doesn't. You just become more of a complainer when you complain. So whatever the circumstances that you're going through right now, if you can change it, you're smart, change it. And if you can't, then change the perspective that you have by asking God to help you with that. Now, I'd like to close by pulling out a a little phrase uh, in that verse that we looked at in verse 17. It's very powerful. And the phrase is this, even if, 
You might want to circle it even if you have your program. Even if. Verse 17 says, even if I'm poured out. Even if things don't turn out the way that I want to. Even if I don't accomplish the things that I want. Even if my life is cut short, I will rejoice, Paul says. Why? Because God is good and he will never, ever leave me and he will never forsake me. Even though this is not what I would have asked for, God will not leave. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a feeling that you have an even if in your life. For some of you, Maybe it looks like this. Even if my migraines never go away, I will still follow God. Even if I have to stay in this job that I do not want, that I feel like I'm chained to, yet I will continue to honor him. Even if the medical report that I received is not what I'm hoping for. It's not what I chose. It's not what I looked for. I will still trust in the goodness of God even if. Now, how do you live that kind of life? I'll tell you, this is the way you live that kind of life. You choose not to make yourself the center of your life. You choose to make Jesus Christ, the center of your life. And when you realize that, that he's the center of all things, it changes how you tell your story to other people. Folks, it's a very high challenge, but you can't do everything without complaining and arguing if you place God at the center of your story. Because then you take this phrase, even if, even if my greatest prayer isn't answered, even if I never get out of the situation that I'm in, I will praise God because he is good. And he, and he alone is the center of my story. Let's stand for our closing song.
standing right now and for those of you that are on the stream right now as uh, you're having a moment with God let's just kind of cut to the chase for a moment Um, maybe for some of you if you had to be really really honest um, you'd say you know what Chris I am a complainer and uh, I'll be honest hey sometimes I fall into that trap too you might say hey my 
my life is kind of characterized by I do. I have a tendency to complain a lot of stuff, but Chris, I really do want to change. I want to change today. And so uh, as you're standing there, if you would, if every eye would be closed just for a moment, I want to pray for you. But if you're sitting there uh, or standing there, if you're sitting, uh, maybe watching this on the stream, and you're like, I, I really do want my life to change. I don't want to be a complainer anymore. If that's you, I'm just going to invite you to do a bold thing. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I really want to change. Let me pray for you. Loving Father, I pray for each person with a raised hand right now that you would work in their hearts. Help them to see, God, that you are the main character of their story and not themselves. And when they see that, God, they have a tendency to complain so much more less and that you can help to overcome their complaining heart. Lord, help us to remember this great truth that we are not the center of the story, that you are the center of the story, Jesus, and it's to you that we choose to praise. So God, would you help us with our hearts to stop complaining, to start praising you that even if, God, things don't change, we we have a tendency to give up. And God, would you help us to not give up, to not give in, but to simply to choose to worship you and honor you and have a different perspective than where we're at. God, if we can do something about the circumstance that we're in, help us to do it. And if not, God, help us to know how to change that circumstance. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, maybe the truth is is that some of you are uh, standing right now or you're on the stream and your complaining has been so great for so long that the biggest complaint you've had is toward God. God, what's going on in my life right now is not fair. I don't like it. I feel like you're the one that's causing it. And if that's you right now and you're like, I'm tired of it though, I'm just worn out. I don't want to do this anymore. I want a relationship with you, God. I'm sorry for when I've been a complainer, but I want you in my life now. I realize that doing life on my own is not the answer. Being the center of my story is not the answer. I need you to be the center of my life. And if that's you, If you are ready in this moment to say, that's me, Chris, that's me, then I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you say by yourself, but it's one that we say together. But today, if you're ready to say, I'm tired of complaining, I'm surrendering my life to you, Jesus. He says, I love you, I forgive you, I give you a second chance, and you have new life in him. And so if you're ready to make that commitment today, I want to lead you in a prayer And uh, it's, again, one that you don't pray by yourself. And so I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Each head bowed, each eye closed. If you feel comfortable, simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. No more complaining. I want you and you alone. I surrender to you. 
be the Lord of my life. Because you died for me, I live for you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.